0: I don't trust anyone that's been to a prep school. Who's driven past a prep school? <laughs> uh, whose name contains any of the letters of the word prep school?
1: L I N A preps. No, you're you're good. I think. I'm Gucci. I'm not.
0: <laughs> you on I got the other an hand. E. <laughs> and an R and
1: two R's. Oh my God. It's <laughs> oh, no good.
0: And an S. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, I do (laughs) have an S, and there is an S in high school. (laughs) Um, Does Dan Brown have any? Yeah, Dan Brown's got an R. Okay, this is a fruitful line of inquiry. I'm glad we started down it. (laughs) Anyways.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dan Brown Code. I'm Lena.
1: And I am Forrest.
0: And, uh, should we just get into it? We're doing 40 through 61, and, oh boy. Well, 40,
1: for, for 41 through 60.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's been a long day.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, that happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, just before we get started, I just wanted to say that, you know, listener, you're going to hear a side of me that I'm not proud of. Um, it's a very angry and bitter side. <laughs>
1: That's the only side I have.
0: (laughs) I feel like, you know, people who don't know me may think I'm like an especially like negative or bitter person. And like, that's just what Dan Brown does to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's a he's a negative and bitter writer. He just disguises himself as the horrifying elf that we've seen in pictures.
0: Oh, God. That that, that photo showed up again. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you... <laughs> I saw it again, too, when I opened up the Google chat. So awful. I'm also getting over a cold, so if I clear my throat or whatever, just cut that out. Great.
1: Okay, I will do so. All right. Was um, it, it was not the dreaded flu?
0: It was not the dreaded flu. I Have you had
1: your flu shot?
0: I have not had my flu shot yet, but oh I God. have this illness under control, I took so much zinc. So, cause I'm, I'm flying to see my boyfriend tomorrow and I was like very uh, adamant that I fix myself before I get on the plane.
1: That makes sense.
0: Um, so I've, this has been knock on wood, like the best illness I've been through, I think. Okay. So, so far so good. All right. We're doing 41 through 60. It's real short, but it feels... Just endless.
1: Yeah, who knows how long it'll take us to talk about it, honestly.
0: (laughs) My notes aren't that extensive this time, um, mostly because I was running through it, because I just finished reading it like five minutes ago.
1: Yeah, I read this section twice. Once was um, this weekend, I just started reading the section until I got to the end of the book, and I didn't take any notes Um, I just, I had to find out what was happening. (laughs) Not remembering what was going on was like really infuriating me. Uh And then last night um, after I did some bar trivia and then came home and cataloged some stamps and drank some more wine. Then I read it in a state of um, slight to mid inebriation. And I did take notes that time. I don't know what they are. (laughs) Okay. So it's going to be an adventure.
0: All right. Well, let's get into it.
1: It being the linen closet on the third floor of the Alfonso the 13th.
0: Um, this is something that I was planning to bring up later uh, in this the chapter. The linen closet? No,
1: no. Um, it's, it's only it's like a page long.
0: <laughs> but the body count in this book is oh. bananas. So many people die. Um, and I guess it is... Not rivaled by angels and demons, but, like, the legacy of so many people dying carries on into angels and demons.
1: Yeah, I mean, the man with the wire rim glasses, he doesn't like to leave any loose ends behind him. He just kills, like, every single person he comes across. Like,
0: what did the maid do? You know? We didn't even hear about a maid.
1: That's a good call. Oh, she had a hotel master key, so that's how he got into the German guy's room, because he didn't realize you could just knock on the door and open it.
0: Oh, she's just unconscious. I thought she was dead.
1: Oh, I thought she was dead, too.
0: Oh, huh. okay. I mean... <laughs> well,
1: we're not good at this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> dead people are unconscious, just not all unconscious I mean, people yeah. are dead. <laughs>
1: yeah, but but she didn't get her own personal little um, email through his Google Glass that the subject hotel made <laughs> terminated.
0: Uh, we learn uh, some facts about the Google Glass assassin. The Google mm-hmm. Glass assassin
1: god it's hard <laughs> to say it's so hard to say google glass
0: google maybe that's why it's just like awful to say that's, um, that's
1: that must be the reason it wasn't because people wore it to bars and just got beaten up for being insufferable creepy nerds
0: <laughs> oh google glass mm-hmm. um the google, google glass assassin <laughs> um, uh we learned that he's been deaf since he was 12 um because people with disabilities are villains in dan brown world
1: yeah, you don't get to be like any kind of slight aberration from the absolute norm, except like you can have a low voice and you can be hot, but anything else is suspect and you're to be treated with mostly contempt.
0: Although I might add that if you're conventionally hot, that also makes you a villain in Dan Brown's view. Um so You know how Dan Brown is like that episode of Spongebob where Spongebob takes off all his corners to be normal? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Lena, I have never seen an episode of Spongebob Squarepants (laughs) all the way through my life.
0: Okay. Well, um, listener, you know what episode I'm talking about. (laughs) And that's Dan Brown. Dan Brown is the smooth version um, of Spongebob. And anything that is not like an amorphous blob of a man is villainous in Dan Brown's view, chapter forty-one. <laughs>
1: Have you noticed that everybody in this book, regardless of how much know about David Becker, refers to him as a school teacher all the time? A thing I've never heard someone refer to a university professor as.
0: Yeah, uh, I did notice that, and it's really weird. And uh, I think again, it it stems from Dan Brown's uh, insecurity about him being literally a school teacher who teaches at Exeter.
1: Yeah, in this chapter, David Becker is thinking of himself and calling himself a school teacher. He's he's <laughs> pissed off. That he's having to work so hard at this weird job he's been sent on by the NSA for no reason. He's like, why did they send a school teacher? And then this motherfucker takes his delightful cranberry vodka that he's been given by the saint of a bartender and just chucks it into a potted jasmine like an asshole. So
0: my note for this was: Forrest and I are going to be mad about this <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> why are you mad about oh is it not good for the plant
0: i'm very upset that he killed a pot of jasmine in that way
1: <laughs> maybe it's a very robust jasmine
0: jasmines are not robust
1: maybe this one is
0: maybe it is it's in the in the beautiful seville light
1: well it's in the hotel lobby I think.
0: <laughs> the seville light it's, it's yeah. lighted
1: maybe they have a glass atrium or something Dan Brown and the wire-rimmed glasses, Google Glass assassin cross paths um, in the hotel lobby. But David Becker doesn't know that this is significant. Um, Only we do.
0: Yeah, he he like blows his nose or something. Mm -hmm. Um, We're back with Susan.
1: Yep, now for chapter 42, we're back into node 3.
0: Susan is jumping to conclusions all over the place.
1: Yeah, she jumped to conclusions last time because she was going to go to see Strathmore, but then, like, wound up having to go back into Node 3 for some reason. And she, like, would blow her cover to just go tell Strathmore. So she decided to go back into the room with this guy she thinks is, like, the biggest national security threat in the world.
0: And, like, a local key murderer who may have killed Tancato?
1: I'm not entirely sure she has that suspicion yet, but she's worried that if he finds out Tancato's dead, then he'll, you know, release the passcode for Digital Fortress and fuck it up for everybody.
0: It may be worth noting that her tracer has not come back, Mm -mm. um, but she's assuming that it will come back with Greg Hale's uh, email address. His NSA email address, I may add.
1: (laughs) I mean... He's not great at security, apparently. (laughs) Chapter 42 is just a chapter of mutual suspicion. And then we're on to chapter 43. We're halfway through the book. It's the perfect time to introduce a bunch of new characters.
0: (laughs) I have a lot of notes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We are. I will just read you this. Uh, A jaunty 45, Chad Brinkerhoff, was well-pressed, well-groomed, and well-informed. His summer weight suit, like his tan skin, showed not a wrinkle or hint of wear. His hair was thick, sandy blonde, and most importantly, all his own. His eyes were brilliant blue, subtly enhanced by the miracle of tinted contact lenses.
1: It's a lot of description.
0: I don't understand. I um so he's sexy? Like or he's not sexy.
1: He's like Washington sexy, I think.
0: Washington sexy
1: yeah, because it says on the next page that he's handsome enough to give press press conferences, which, as we've learned from uh, the, the the dearly departed Sean Spicer, is definitely a qualification for the role. Screaming. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I picture him as having that kind of like bland D.C. Like, you know how Paul Ryan is like in all the lists of like hottest politicians, even though he looks like a weirdo. <laughs> he
0: looks like a weasel.
1: But like he's wa- but like he's Washington hot. That's what I get out of Chad Brinkerhoff.
0: Okay, like a like when you're like a I don't know Oklahoma seven, but like an LA three, that kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he's a literal Chad. Um, at this stage of the book, of the chapter, I said Chad is someone that I would date, a, tra- a jaunty forty-five with all his hair, um, but uh, soon, soon, soon descended into madness.
1: It's so wild to wear tinted contact lenses into work on a day when you don't really expect anyone to be there.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Who's he showing off for? We're going to find out soon.
0: For everyone, it turns out, because <laughs> Chad is a slut.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I just remembered the, 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 the other thing. <laughs> Okay, Okay. so Chad Brinkerhoff is like the personal assistant or personal aide to the overall NSA director, whose name is probably here, but I can't find it right now. And so he's up there in the office, and he's in the office today for dot 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 reasons. (laughs)
0: That's right. Who else is in the office, Forrest?
1: Uh, The other person in the office is Midge Milken Fontaine. That's the director. His internal security analyst. She is 60, slightly heavy, and much to the puzzlement of Brinkerhoff, quite appealing. Yeah. A consummate flirt and an ex-wife three times over. Midge prowled the six-room directorial suite with a saucy authority. She was sharp, intuitive, worked ungodly hours, and was rumored to know more about the NSA's inner workings than God himself. It's
0: too many, the word God in one sentence, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, you know how women, if they're slightly heavy, are only puzzlingly attractive, or of an age, you know? It's,
1: It's so confusing. Her whole description here is very much like, it feels like she's a lady who'd own like a pirate bar in pirate times. Like a
0: saucy wench?
1: Yeah, but like, but like the, 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 ma- this slightly matronly authority figure who nonetheless is like always flirting with the pirates, mm. even though they want to get with like the ale wenches or what, whatever, you know, that person,
0: <laughs> I mean, yes, that's the, that's the problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she, they, they have some flirty dialogue here.
0: If you could see my, the page, it just, it says, ew, <laughs> maybe I'm going to count nine times. when we when we when we post up the episode i'll I'll put a picture up Uh, so
1: weekly reports you can check the figures and then bring like figures looking good from here as he eyes her body and she says really chad i'm old enough to be your mother chad is 45 she is 60 there is a 15 year age difference that is not old enough to be your mother territory i
0: mean you she i mean people
1: she conceivably could be
0: biologically could yeah
1: and so they have this dialogue going back and forth and basically it's all about we should check some numbers and then she hints that she wants him to want to have sex with her and he's like, Well, kinda, yeah. But they they keep it, you know, on a non-physical side. Still not work appropriate for a conversation, I don't think. It's but.
0: I'm I HR should be all over this. There are several instances in this book where I was like, I smell a lawsuit. I'm suing somebody. <laughs> like
1: Yes. Um so as Midge is leaving what she's going to do she says I do have some pride I just can't see myself playing second fiddle particularly to a teenager and Brinkerhoff's like my wife's not a teenager she just acts like one well, you like, stupid bimbo slut
0: What um,
1: <laughs> it's like that's already bad <laughs> and then Midge gave him a surprised look I wasn't talking about your wife. She batted her eyes innocently. I was talking about Carmen. Ew. She spoke the name with a thick Puerto Rican accent. You know how you can put a thick Puerto Rican accent onto a single name? Um, Carmen Huerta was a 27-year-old pastry chef who worked in the NSA commentary. Brinkerhoff had enjoyed a number of presumably secret after-hours flings with her in the stockroom. Ew.
0: Because Ew. Midge
1: Midge operates Big Brother, which is a series of... Cameras and microphones and electronic doors and phone taps that are in the NSA complex he's everywhere just, except for the crypto building. He's
0: just got his dick in everybody, and it's just like this. This whole co- uh, so, okay, a few things. So like this whole conversation is gross and inappropriate and gross. First of all, like firstly gross, second inappropriate, seconded, and then and then also. What is going on in this commissary? Can can someone tell me? Because there's like a...
1: <laughs> we're going to find
0: out. It's open us. 24 hours a day. They have like Bearnaise sauce on their like filet yeah. mignon and there's a pastry chef that works there. <laughs> yeah, a sexy Puerto Rican pastry chef. And as we learn later, calzones. What? <laughs> <laughs> and it's 24 hours. What's going... What's happening? Ugh.
1: It's dark Somebody told me
0: Oh no Okay So uh, Mitch can see everybody And she's like Except for Crypto Except for Crypto And she says To uh, Chad She says Don't masturbate Basically (laughs) Um,
1: We have one of The more unpleasant Dan Brown paragraphs Written I mean this entire Like Section is full of Some of the worst Dan Brown passages Ever written But this one in particular Really turned my stomach his thoughts turned back to Carmen. He pictured her lissom body, those dark thighs, that AM radio she played at full blast, hot San Juan salsa. He smiled. No. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll drop by for a snack when I'm done. Uh, uh, <laughs> no.
0: I have no written really big on my page. I, I,
1: I have, specifically I have hot San Juan salsa highlighted and that's framed by two giant no's. <laughs>
0: The sex is so gratuitous in this book.
1: It's unpleasant.
0: Okay, so he's doing his the numbers. Um, yes. He starts to fantasize about Carmen smearing herself with honey and confectioner's mm-hmm. sugar, creating an, a yeast infection for herself. Poor thing. Um, and then he realizes that the numbers are off, and there's it usually costs $1,000 a pop for a transultor to transult something. Um And this one is a billion dollars Like something is a billion dollars And he's freaking out So yeah. he calls uh Midge to come back um,
1: Yeah, he needs his mommy when things are going wrong
0: <laughs> All the women are called by their first name And all the men are called by their last name I just wanted to take note <laughs> of that
1: well, yeah, it's only proper
0: <laughs> that's, that's
1: because right. last names can change for women, and when society's running properly.
0: Oh no, no! <laughs> now I wish I was in a trapdoor in the floor.
1: Sorry, gang. Uh, I've become an intense reactionary in the last two weeks. <laughs> I I believe in traditional society and gender roles now.
0: <laughs> cool, um, fun podcast. So, <laughs> chapter forty-four. <laughs>
1: We just need we we need someone to stand up for the fucking patriarchy on this program, Lena. Someone all, needs to it, stand
0: for the status quo. Right?
1: <laughs> Chapter forty-four. Phil Chartruki is fuming.
0: I mean, he he has every right to. You know, it's he got fucked. yelled
1: at by his boss in an embarrassing way for trying to do his job well. That sucks.
0: Uh, he's talking to himself some more. Um, he's saying like this is he put Strathmore like messed up and like bypassed the Gauntlets filters and now there's a virus and it's gonna go to the NSA's main data bank, and then uh, we hear a lot about the main data bank. Um, oh, uh, it's very
1: important. It's where all the secrets live.
0: So basically, what happened was. The internet was invented, and the government wanted to keep it all to themselves, but then it made it to the, quote, public sector, unquote, <laughs> which D- Dan Brown does not know what that word means. He really doesn't. And then by the early 90s, it was a congested wasteland of public email and cyberpore porn.
1: <laughs> cyberpore porn.
0: Cyber porn. <laughs> That's
1: like my uh, only, only note for this section. Yeah, that's
0: same. same. <laughs> and we get a lot of stuff about how, like, basically there's a database of all the NSA secrets in the basement of the NSA. And mm-hmm. everything that goes through TransUltr goes there. And so if a virus goes there, then it's fucked.
1: Yeah, we also only have an ingenious system of permission mm-hmm. settings that mean that... You know, you only get the information that's attached to your username, which is attached to your security clearance. What a clever system they have in place.
0: Um Forrest has finished the book, so he's noting things that may be of importance later that I don't think are important. So. That's
1: not important. I just, oh. I just thought it was funny that Dan <laughs> Brown took like a paragraph and a half to talk about permission settings. He took
0: so long. He took he took his sweet time.
1: Yeah, no, all all that's important is that um, you know, it's a very secure system and even though there's hackers constantly trying to get in, it's very secure unless something like a virus were to work its way into it. That would be bad probably, but it probably, it's probably, it's probably not going to come up.
0: No, probably not. Um, so Sartreukian is rightfully freaking the fuck out and is like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to call a person so fat. They don't even get a name. <laughs> no. This man oh, does not get a name. He's Well, he
1: gets a nickname.
0: He's the NSA senior SISEC officer, the short fused 400 pound computer guru who had built Gauntlet. So he's accomplished. He's a professional. His what? nickname was Java. <laughs> he's a demigod. And he doesn't get a name. No. And we learn later that they called this man Java to his face. And again, <laughs> I would have he sued. Himself <laughs> Java. I would have sued. And, uh... uh this is... is it a
1: crime to like calzone? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the dude that Trump thinks hacked Clinton's emails. Yes. Yeah. Okay, 45.
1: 45. David Becker is walking down Avenida del Cid, which is just a I I Do you do you know El Cid at all?
0: Uh, No. The, one
1: of the, yeah, the the song of the Cid is like the medieval Spanish literary epic. And it's been used for evil to villainize Muslims because it happens at the very beginning process of the Reconquista. Mm. So El Cid is like this, uh, he's a lord who gets expelled from the king's service because of some weird dynastic things going on. There's like three different northern Spanish kings and all kinds of internecine politics there. Mm-hmm. And so El Cid gets kicked out and he takes his little group of knights and just goes out and starts kicking ass and sending a bunch of cash to the king. <laughs> and if you're a certain brand of reactionary, you're like, ah, this is the glory of, you know, the, the European Spaniard versus the the horrifying Moorish hordes. But if you actually read the Song of the Cid, like about half the time or more he's beating up other christians and like getting along pretty well with the muslims for the most part he's fighting for the muslims from time to time and it's all just pretty uh it's a lot messier than people think it is
0: i didn't even i didn't think i was gonna get all that (laughs) like like when we were reading the da Vinci code i got a street name and i was like oh i love I was like yeah we're is gonna go off here But I was just like <laughs> Innocently reading this chapter <laughs> In which like David Becker tries and fails And tries again to get on a bus And yeah, instead I'll take, I got I'll this. take
1: any excuse I can get To shove in some medieval history To the podcast
0: <laughs> I'm really grateful for it That was really interesting
1: <laughs> So yeah David Becker Is trying to catch a bus
0: <laughs> He's like so drunk Off this like half vodka cranberry oh, that he- <laughs> The
1: vodka was still with him player drinking micos maca cranberry vodka. That's a white rapper. Um,
0: <laughs> um, it takes so long. It's I like. I like. I'm almost tempted to read the whole process because it takes forever <laughs> to. Anyway, he sees a punk kid with red, white, and blue hair and he gets on this bus or he tries to get on a bus and it takes like 40 years for him to get on it cuz he's like drunk and clumsy and his... I mean he
1: winds up hopping it like a fucking freight train. Yeah, like
0: he's <laughs> yeah, like he's like a like a 1930s hobo like Yeah, or
1: get... like the people still hop freight trains. I was um at some point after college I was on a bunch of forums for freight train hoppers and like apparently it's
0: a little oh, dangerous
1: to what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean It sounds like a really fun thing to like spend a weekend doing But apparently This might be an urban legend among the <laughs> Among the train hoppers but apparently It was like gangs of Vietnam veterans who just ride the rails And beat the shit out of you if you're not like Part of the right rail hopper oh, gang Oh
0: don't don't do it for
1: That's honestly the reason I didn't It sounds like it's probably fake and made up But like I don't want to chance it
0: This was after college You were like I wonder what I'm gonna do with my life <laughs> I mean,
1: I I thought it'd be a fun thing to do for like a weekend Like drive out in the desert and hop some freight trains (laughs) Like Woody Guthrie
0: I'm glad you're still with us, Forrest
1: Yeah, (laughs) I didn't do it I just did other Stephen shit
0: So He he hops a bus like a freight train And it's like a big heavy bus Like driving in first gear Like it's not hard The
1: tires are shoulder high That can't be right Unless David Becker is a hobbit
0: Where does it say that? What page is that on? Becker
1: fixed his sights on the opening, ignored the burning sensation in his legs. The tires were beside him, shoulder high. Uh, bottom of page two
0: twenty. Uh, how tall is Dan Brown? <laughs> five Dan eight? Brown's
1: a wee little man.
0: <laughs> Dan. Even Brown so, like it,
1: that would make the tires like almost five feet tall, and that's too tall for a bus tire.
0: He's five nine. So he's my height.
1: He's a man lit. That's what we call him. No,
0: no, come on now. <laughs> um, I mean,
1: he ain't, he ain't, he ain't tall. I guess. He's,
0: I he, but still, like I'm, a, I took a bus this morning, and the, it was not shoulder height. You know, like, yeah,
1: they're like waist high, right? Yeah, are tires.
0: <laughs> bus tires are like waist high, I think.
1: Anyways, the bus is shifting up to second gear, which he describes as downshifting here, which I don't know. <laughs> uh, I always think of it as upshifting when I'm going from first gear to second gear as the bus is doing, but Dan Brown says downshifting. So that, you know, the, arrests the momentum of the bus temporarily so uh, David Becker can hop on.
0: And he, like, nearly dies. He, like, his arm almost is torn out of its socket and, like... He lunges and he falls into the, he like collapses on the floor and the <laughs> bus driver's like doesn't even ask him for bus fare he just says like sit down.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 a dumb maneuver to attempt when you're drunk as hell off half of a cranberry vodka,
0: <laughs> if that. Um, and there's a bunch of uh, punks with red, white, and blue hair and they're like fuck you what do you want Oops, it's,
1: it's it's the punk bus it's the punk fuck. bus
0: and it's. In- infamous bus number twenty-seven, and it's going to the but club. But is there
1: any trans? Is there any transphobia?
0: Oh hell yeah! <laughs> um, uh, the punk's face was momentarily illuminated. Becker stared in horror. <laughs> the makeup on her face was smeared across the thick stubble. She was not a girl at all, but a young man. He wore a silver stud in his upper lip, a black leather jacket, and no shirt.
1: What the fuck do you want? The hoarse voice asked his accent was New York.
0: They were all punks and at least half of them had red, white and blue hair and the bus driver doesn't care about getting paid. And now no, they're he just telling them to sit down. They're just like driving off into, into, into the, out of Seville, I guess.
1: I like how concerned this bus driver is on this like fly by night punk bus with <laughs> safety. He's like, sit down. I have safety regulations <laughs> to comply with even in the wilderness that is Spain where laws don't apply. <laughs>
0: and uh the uh the the wire rimmed glasses assassin um is like ah oh, fuck he there's got
1: there's no reason for him not to give us this guy's name we get it later and it's not like important it's just like he's just the man with the wire and glasses I mean, for three quarters of the book
0: we're like we're you know we're preserving mystery you know how how dan brown preserves mystery <laughs> For no fucking reason. Okay. Yeah. 46. Phil, Char- Phil, Phil and he's trying to get a, yes. <laughs> a hold of Jabba. Uh, and Jabba hates call waiting. So it's not yeah, he working. He doesn't have
1: it. You can't get a hold of him if he doesn't pick up. That's
0: right. Um, so he's freaking out and he decided, you know what I got to do is I got to take the key to shut down transilter and I got to get underground and shut down transilter. So he does that. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't, Succeed to shut down Transultor. No, he
1: just starts. He just starts going down and goes in, into the sub levels where there's a dizzy 136 foot drop to the rumbling power supplies below. Oh, ominous ellipses. I didn't see
0: that. But
1: I wouldn't worry about that. It's probably not going to come into play again. I'm
0: going to underline it for the n- n- never that I'm going to read this again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And so, in order to get into the under level sub levels he has to like steal a key from the senior sex locker but he just has it in a in the in his stanford alumnus mug
0: is it his mug or someone else's mug
1: the the, it's it's his supervisor's Uh, mug
0: um sorry i want to just go back to 45 for just a minute Mm -hmm. i really want to get on like a mystery bus to nowhere like that
1: it sounds it sounds cool it sounds so
0: lit like like it sounds, there's like, oh, it's an infamous bus, and I'm like, there are no infamous buses here, you know? Yeah. What the fuck? I want to get on a bus to nowhere. Okay.
1: Maybe this scene was the inspiration for J.K. Rowling's bus in that one book.
0: The night Remember bus in one of the
1: Harry Potter books. That's probably.
0: <laughs> it's called the night bus it's in the third one. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> um, um, chapter forty-seven. Yeah. Midge is doubting Brinkerhoff's math. It's like there's no way there's a billion dollar code. It's probably a divide by zero error. Yeah. Which is exactly what it is, but why is it dividing by zero? It shouldn't be doing that.
0: Um it's because there have been zero decryptions. And they're like, why is there zero de- decryptions? Why would why would Transalter be taking a break? Um and then Midge like kind of hates Strathmore, but like not enough to make me like her. Brinkerhoff was like, give Strathmore a break. He works so hard. And I'm like, no, don't (laughs) give him a nice guy. (laughs) He's he's a sociopath.
1: Well, also, the reason the reason that Midge Milken doesn't like Strathmore is because even though he tried that clever thing where he uh, had the government release an encryption standard that had a built in back door. She doesn't like him for... Not for trying to do that, but for getting caught trying to do that, which makes the EFF gain strength, and it made Fontaine lose credibility with Congress, and it made the NSA lose a lot of its anonymity. There were suddenly housewives in Minnesota complaining to America Online and Prodigy that the NSA might be reading their email, like the NSA gave a damn about a secret recipe for candied yams. And, like, they probably won't do anything with it, but they're definitely reading that fucking email, or at least, like, have a computer reading it.
0: The amount of, like... Like in one fell swoop, like bootlicking, misogyny, <laughs>
1: like. I mean, Dan Brown packs a lot into a little place. He really
0: economy economy of writing, you know. <laughs> like Okay, where were we? Uh. Anyway, like Midge is supposed to watch Fontaine's back, and Strathmore like put that at risk, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. Uh. But Midge is like, but he's such a hard working man and I'm being too rough on him. And I guess we'll just ask him if something's wrong with Transalter. Um, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. And Yeah. I like honestly skimmed this chapter because I don't care. And um They're saying, like, it's been running for 18 hours, like we should call Strathmore. And so they decided to call Strathmore. And uh let's see. Midge is like well, Strathmore's in the office. That means he's dealing with something, mm-hmm. or or it's or translator has been off for eighteen hours, which is like not likely. So they go to Mitch's office. They look at you know the Big Brother thing where she watched uh, she watched Chad fuck Carmen, um, and such
1: coarse and vulgar language. She watched Chad oh and God.
0: Carmen have a tryst. Make love. In the kitchen, or no, <laughs>
1: wherever she watched him lovingly smear honey all over. Gross, her. gross,
0: gross, gross, <laughs> gross, gross, gross. That's and so much then, worse then, than then, what I said. Then, then, that's and so then much dust worse her
1: with confectioner's sugar.
0: Ah! <laughs> oh, god, that's so much worse than what I said.
1: <laughs> but... Um, in- it's it's like more colorful image.
0: Oh, good. That's what I was missing. Her dark <laughs> thighs.
1: Yeah, exactly, colors.
0: Um, so he's she like using some kind of elevator stats knows that he hasn't left his office in 36 hours.
1: Yeah, so sorry, just just this is important to know it's not. Um, but Strathmore has a private elevator that he can get in and she can see when he uses it on Big Brother. And she can also see when people go in and out of the front door on Big Brother. And he's only come in yesterday morning. He used his elevator to get in. It hasn't left since then. So he must be in there working on something. And he's been there for like 36 hours now. So it's probably something important.
0: Yep. And uh, so Chad's going to call Strathmore to confirm to see what's going on.
1: Yeah, I I did kind of like the bit there where uh, Chad's like, he's not going to like it when you call him. And she's like, no, he's not. That's what you're calling him, bitch. (laughs) I I respect that. No, me too.
0: I thought that was that was that was pretty gangster. That was good. Um, Okay, 48. Uh, Dan
1: Brown employs a literary device we haven't seen from him before.
0: What is it, Forrest?
1: So at the end of chapter 47 there, we're about to make that phone call to Strathmore. And so the normal Dan Brown thing would be to jump ahead to a different character. And then to come back either just after or for that phone call. But this time on the one page, they're about to make a phone call. And on the second page, Brinkerhoff is just hanging up the phone. So we just get like a time skip without any kind of intervening thing, which Damron doesn't do very much.
0: It's not good because of all the things to be too lazy to write. Why would it be like a straightforward phone call rather than like yeah. all this garbage about the sex lives of the people who work for the NSA?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to know. <laughs>
0: I emphatically don't want to know it Even ironically, even as a joke Also, d- wait
1: I'm, I'm not entirely sorry We have to go back and discuss this some more, but let's think about this So we know when they were hiring Susan To work at the NSA, they asked her all these invasive Questions about her sex life, including like, have you fucked a dog? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sorry It's in the book, but
0: <laughs> I just
1: <laughs> this is what happens when I minimize the video uh, But here's Here's here is here is Chad Brinkerhoff And he's just like Throwing his dick around the NSA Hallways and like Just like out, is in the like a refrigerator boring. Of the commissary uh, And somehow th- This didn't come up in his security Clearance stuff the fact that like he's cheating On his wife with you know pastry chefs And presumably whoever else he can Isn't that like dangerous for national security You'd think so You
0: would think so and yet
1: But I'm sure nothing like this happens in real life <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look it's not it's not good
1: <laughs> Positions positions, and trust in government Are always filled with like with People
0: of the highest integrity yeah
1: Yeah That's what they tell me all the time that's,
0: that's, yeah. <laughs> so It
1: must be true Okay. Chapter forty eight. Um basically is just Strathmore tells him, you know, oh no, it it translators working fine, it's still breaking codes, your your data's all fucked up, you know. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and then mm. Midge, having had the integrity of her data called into question, makes an eerie transition from flirt to fiend.
0: Wait, I I don't know where that is. Two thirty three Oh no <laughs> You know when a woman gets upset all of a sudden
1: <laughs> Yeah It fucks them all up
0: Because you doubted her one thing that she's good at
1: <laughs> Yeah And so Midge is positive Her data's right And so her, her hackles are raised And she's gonna figure out what's going on And she won't rest until she does
0: Well good for her That's literally her job
1: so in chapter forty nine, we get to find out what Dan Brown thinks is a good name for a punk band. I honestly,
0: this was most of my note was like, "This is not, so not even a punk stupid. band, an individual punk, like a Vicious figure." Yeah. Um, this. What's his name? <laughs> I can't do it. Judas Taboo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's the bad guy from the Bible and something you're not allowed to fucking say. That's how punk this motherfucker is.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> this chapter is unnecessary. This, like, all we get is that the reason that... Ooh, Lena,
1: have I got a story to tell you about this entire fucking book?
0: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> 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 but all we get from this chapter is that the, the reason everyone's hair is red, white, and blue is because Judas Taboo's hair was red, white, and blue the day that he killed himself in Seville. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's 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 it. That's why everyone's hair is like that. And so that could have been easily put into the one where he barely survives getting on a bus or the following chapter where he goes to the club. Um, but we
1: wouldn't get this uh, first indication of just how prudish David Becker is. So the punk kid tells him, every fan worth his weight in piss has got red, white, and blue hair today. And then <laughs> the next paragraph, Becker is like, Taught thinking to himself in his mind. It's like, every fan has red, white, and blue hair today. So he didn't have to repeat that piss line.
0: (laughs) Becker loves to correct other people's uh, speech as we learn.
1: Yeah. Which I'm going to later on, we get to something where he is being a pedant. I'm going to have a thing to say. Okay. This is a reminder to myself.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, there's something to unpack there. Um, So he's like, where are we going? And the kid's like what you don't know You got on bus 27 you don't even know where we're going Which fair And then uh, he doesn't find out Where they're going so again pointless no, the, the,
1: the kids started laughing hysterically Oh shit you're gonna love it But like we've already been told this is like an infamous bus That like you know the assassin Knows just where it's going and he's like why is he on that bus
0: Everyone's looking at him on this bus Because uh, be- Becker's a cop um, Yeah Which yeah same you know like I would also be staring um okay.
1: Chapter fifty. Chapter fifty Chartruvian is now actually going into the sub level. Last time he was getting the key and thinking about the sub level, but now he's actually gonna go into it. I'm so glad we got that last chapter that one time. <laughs> he
0: uh un- un- he opens the trapdoor and it looks more like a gateway to hell than a service entrance for a computer. And swirling red mist, so it's like a when your middle school does a haunted house and gets a fog machine and some lights, like that's what's going on in there.
1: It sounds really cool, <laughs> and so like before he goes down, Chartruian's like looking around to make sure no one sees him going because he's like not technically allowed to, mm-hmm. but uh oh Greg Hale is watching him from behind the one way glass of node three, and he's like, hmm, bold move, cowboy, and so, <laughs> so
0: it's a quote from the book.
1: Well, he says gutsy move, but <laughs> he
0: does not say cowboy. <laughs> I, I,
1: I was I was uh, paraphrasing <laughs> with a longer version,
0: a better version, if anything.
1: I I think so. Well, and
0: yeah, Hale says a sysec investigation of Crypto was something Hale could not afford. Hale left Node Three and headed for the trapdoor. Chartreuxian had to be stopped. So, uh oh, uh oh.
1: So now we're going to find a little more out about Jabba in chapter 51. But first,
0: we can find out a little bit more about the men we should avoid. We're going to start with number 67. Men who eat Pop-Tarts.
1: I think the frequency is important (laughs) here.
0: Yeah. I think if a man eats a Pop-Tart like every year, you know, Pop-Tarts are fine. Like, they taste good. And I mean, I think it depends on which Pop-Tart they eat. But, you know, adults are a lot of... What's your
1: preferred Pop-Tart?
0: Uh, the brown sugar cinnamon ones. Okay. Yeah. How about you?
1: I'm a, I'm a s'more man myself. Okay,
0: a man of taste. I see. Sixty-eight men who wear capes.
1: See, I'm divided on this one. On the one hand, Batman is very cool. On the other hand, he's also a fascist.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. True. All right. Number sixty-nine. Heyo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number 69 is the uh, men who consider cream of wheat a home cooked meal.
1: Dan Brown and breakfast food is, <laughs> is just a fucked up relationship.
0: I'm the only person I know who eats cream of wheat, so this is like...
1: It's the most it's the most Puritan shit it's possible to fucking eat, Lena. <laughs> like, I,
0: I only want it when I have strep throat, basically.
1: It's like the food of self-loathing. <laughs> it's the food of... weird sinners in the hands of an angry god. <laughs> I have to eat cream of wheat or else I'll go to hell. I
0: think cream of wheat is kind of like those foods that, like, um, were invented to stop masturbation. Like graham crackers. Exactly.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's Puritan food. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, 70? Men who comb their hair across the bald spot. You should avoid the president, you know?
1: And like let's, let's pull up this picture of uh Dan Brown here. He's not like combing across the bald spot, but like He's
0: combing around the bald spot.
1: Yeah, he's 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 working his fucking bald spot.
0: <laughs> this is back in the 90s when all his hair was all his, like much like Chad or yeah. Bart- Bartrukinite or whatever his name
1: is. Uh, you're confusing. You're <laughs> confusing Chad Brinkerhoff and Phil Chartropian.
0: <laughs> so the 71, right? Yep. Men who say the last thing they want is to hurt you.
1: This one feels pretty real. I
0: there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so on its face, that statement. There's no issue with that statement.
1: But like, no one ever says that. And then follows it up with not hurting Right, right? it's always like,
0: babe, 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 babe. You know the last thing I want is to hurt you, right?
1: Like, I, I sort of think this is the most insightful thing Dan Brown's ever written.
0: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right, number 72 Men who keep on trucking.
1: No, nope, that kicks ass. It's <laughs> good to keep on trucking. <laughs> God I missed the truck. Look,
0: in this life, what what can we do but keep on trucking? You know, Forrest?
1: Exactly. That's that's real wisdom.
0: (laughs) Dan Brown, what's your problem? Why do you hate trucking so much?
1: Let's truck on truck on into chapter fifty-one. Hell
0: yeah. Chapter fifty-one. Jabba resembled a (laughs) tight. God God. damn it.
1: <laughs> Jabba resembled a giant tadpole, like the cinematic creature for whom he was nicknamed. Ugh. The man was a hairless spheroid. Okay, stop. Neither a tadpole nor Jabba the Hutt is a spheroid. What is They both have a distinctly tapering shape.
0: Also, cinematic creature? Fuck you. I hate those two words together, cinematic creature.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else do you call Jabba the Hutt?
0: Movie monster? Is he not a
1: creature? Is he not a creature from the cinema? <laughs> Um, I want
0: to fight Dan Brown so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: Uh. uh I want to know what what part of Java is the tail, and also what is the, the man's name?
1: Oh, <laughs> what part of what part of Java the person is the tail? Not part of what what part of of the hut is the tail? Because the part of Java the hut that's the tail is his. Yeah. Tail. No,
0: I know that. I mean, come on. Okay. of the person.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Anyways, uh, Jabba has a cool podium where he can overlook his basement lair. Yeah, it rules. It's so cool. Um, And he's just taking a break right now to enjoy some pepperoni calzones from the NSA's all-night commissary. (laughs) He was about to dig into his third calzone When his cellular phone rang and like, I enjoy a calzone, but like, I ain't never able to eat more than one calzone at a time. I have barely
0: been able to finish a calzone. Um,
1: I can, I can fuck up a calzone pretty bad.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love, oh, I want a calzone so bad right
1: now. So good.
0: I wonder if I can get a calzone anywhere. I will, I will figure it out. Um, I
1: mean, most of the pizza delivery places in your area uh, will deliver a calzone to you. In, I know. I, I lived in the same delivery radius. As,
0: as me? Okay. I'll, I'll see if they'll bring me a Calzone. Okay. He's eating three Calzones. He's coughing as he swallows a mouthful of Calzone. God. Uh, uh,. Midge says Jabba <laughs> It's Midge <laughs> And he's Data queen <laughs>
1: The huge man the
0: huge man. He always had
1: a soft spot for Midge Malkin She was sharp and she was also the only woman Jabba had ever met who flirted with him How the hell are you? Do
0: you know how like fat people don't have sex? I think Dan thinks <laughs> That because nobody will have sex with him Surely nobody who is fat Is having sex Like Surely he's more desirable than a fat person
1: my my theory is that uh, Susan isn't the stand-in character for Dan Brown's wife. It's actually Midge.
0: Oh, you think it's Midge? Do yeah. you think uh, Chad is Dan Brown? Because Dan Brown has blue eyes and all his own hair.
1: Yeah, it might be. That would make some sense. Well, I mean, I think I think I, I maybe like I forget which Freudian term goes where, but like. Uh, I think David Becker is, like, the way Dan Brown thinks he sees himself, but then Chad Brinkerhoff is, like, the way Dan Brown deep down knows he is. Dan,
0: Dan right? Brown deep like, down is not as handsome as Chad Brinkerhoff.
1: Well, but Chad Brinkerhoff's is a very, like, fake kind of handsome, right? Yeah. In my mind.
0: But Dan Brown isn't even a, isn't even a fake kind of handsome.
1: I picture Chad Brinkerhoff is the same kind of look as Dan Brown. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> True.
1: Yeah. And so we now have some more unfortunate flirty Midge dialogue mm, so gross. But with Jabba this time. Uh
0: Care to join me for a calzone? (laughs) This is my favorite voice you've ever done. (laughs) She says, love to Jabba, but I'm watching these hips.
1: Really? (laughs) Mind if I join you?
0: (laughs) You're bad.
1: You have no idea.
0: Glad I caught you in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He took a long swallow of Dr. Pepper. (laughs) So, yeah. um...
0: Dr. Pepper is the wrong soda, Dan. Dan.
1: I mean, I love Dr. Pepper. Yeah, but for... Honest. I haven't had any for a long time, but I want got to drink it with a calzone.
0: I'd have a Mountain Dew with a calzone. Something crisp and refreshing. Oh,
1: that's a bold choice, yeah.
0: <laughs> he sprayed Dr. Pepper all over his calzone.
1: <laughs> yeah, Midge tells him that trans- Transultor has been working on a code for 18 hours, and he's like, oh, your, your 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 shit's all wrong, it's all fucked up, as he's dabbing his calzone with a napkin. <laughs> The thought of eating a calzone still damp with Dr. Pepper is repulsive to
0: oh, me. It's so gross. But he also, uh, and then he goes on to furrow his bulbous forehead.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, it's so. What's the problem? Oof. Your report glitched. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they they spend a the couple pages like basically getting to the point of.
0: Oh no! Hold on! Uh, hold on! Hold on! We have more to read. Come! I mean, come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she's like, he's like, your date is Friday, and she's like, you think so? And he says, I bet my job job on it. Jabba took a big bite of soggy calzone and spoke with his mouth full.
1: Longest the fire has ever lasted, inside trans will turn. I'm sorry, hours.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
1: this is my ASMR. <laughs> oh, we learned that we learned that Strathmore is like uh, his wife is leaving him. Mm-hmm. I think we've heard that earlier, but Jabba's repeating the rumor. Mm-hmm.
0: And Mitch has heard it, so it's triple confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then Java sucks in a long strand of mozzarella.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh and then Jabba's like, Look, I don't care about Strathmore one way or the other. They're all, they're all psychopaths, but um
1: I like how Jabba has one character trait and it's just he's like a disgusting sloth. I mean the that's what's that's
0: what people think he's a big fat yeah, man. It's just, it's awful. It's really upsetting. <laughs> I was enraged. I was actually angry. Like the description of Jabba eating made me actually like red faced. It's so dehumanizing. Yeah. And, like, they sh- he should sue, because people keep calling him Jabba to his face. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and, like, sk- skinny people eat gross, too.
0: Skinny people arguably saying. eat worse than fat people do.
1: <laughs> I think probably. Okay. <laughs> this next chapter is uh, the start of a real exciting oh. section.
0: <laughs> Becker has arrived at Club Embrujo, Warlock in English. Yeah.
1: So... It looks more like a fortification than a dance club. And it's got these big stucco walls that have shards of beer bottles in them to keep you from climbing up them. You know, <laughs> normal shit.
0: I don't understand. So they put the stucco on wet and then they broke beer bottles into the walls? Is that right?
1: I I have to imagine that this is like a... a either a real place or representation of a real place. I can't imagine Dan Brown just made this up. IDK. But it doesn't look like it. it's got beer bottles on the walls So maybe It's a different place Dan Brown's thinking yeah, of. I don't, know. I don't know. If
0: any of you want to find out where this place in Sevilla is, let me know because I want to go party, you know?
1: Yeah, I want to go hang with these Hell punks. Yeah. Except they seem uh, pretty homophobic and shitty. Yeah,
0: they, they seem, but the times have changed.
1: Out of my way, slur. A human pincushion pod passed him, giving Becker an elbow in the side. Pincushion. Uh, nice ties. Someone gave Becker's necktie a hard yank. Wanna fuck? A teenage girl stared up at him, looking like something out of Dawn of the Dead.
0: Nobody would talk to Becker at the punk club. He's a cop. <laughs>
1: Um, The scene was surreal, a deep mountain grotto in which hundreds of bodies moved as one. They surged up and down, hands pressed firmly to their sides, very sexy, (laughs) heads bobbing like lifeless bulbs on top of rigid spines. Crazed souls took running dives off a stage and landed on a sea of human limbs, which they didn't because their arms are all their sides. Bodies were passed back and forth, No, their arms are by their sides like human beach balls. Overhead, the pulsating strobes gave the whole thing the look of an old silent movie. uh, Except there's speakers uh, the size of minivans so that not even the most dedicated dancers can get close to them.
0: I imagine the scene from the beginning of the second Matrix film. Hell yes. (laughs) (laughs) So he's just there and he's trying to find the girl, but it's like overwhelming. So he goes outside and clears some empty beer bottles from a table and then, um, uh, the man in the wire rim glasses, uh, meanwhile is getting into a taxi and, uh, says, take me to Embrujo. So.
1: And the taxi cab driver's like, man, there's just weirder freaks every night going to the club Embrujo. I love the
0: idea that like the taxi driver thinks there's going to be a gathering of like Google Glass Freddy <laughs> Krueger's club Embrujo this week. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and now it's chapter 53 which means it's time to get sexy again. Uh, Totugan... To, I, <laughs> I will say it fucking right. Numataka lay naked on the massage table in his penthouse office. His personal masseuse worked at the kinks in his neck. She ground her palms into the fleshy pockets surrounding his shoulder blades. Uh, Slowly working her way down to the towel covering his backside, her hands slipped lower. Th- ellipsis. <laughs> beneath his towel. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, and then there's a knock on the door, and Numataka tells the Guy I enter. So the masseuse has to quickly pull her hands from beneath the towel to maintain, you know, the uh, air of proper respect and uh, honor that Numataka lives by. Except for when he's getting a handy from the but masseuse. But he's
0: on his stomach, right? So she's just touching his booty. She's touching his butt. He's not getting a hand job yet.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's the key. Right now, she's just fondling them booty cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a nice hug of meat. Anyways. Um I'm remember how <laughs> so last time Numataka asked the phone person to trace the call from North Dakota and he's learned that it is definitely from the US, but they don't have more specific than that yet. But it is from the US and Numataka country code one. Good news indeed. Forrest. Thank God we had that for chapter. The sex
0: is just gratuitous in this book. It is so <laughs> much and it's all
1: I'm aroused, aren't no. you? No. It doesn't do it for you to 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 read about the Mosuit's hand slipping lower and then get a sexy ellipsis, the sex punctuation <laughs> beneath his towel.
0: Oh no, no. We got okay, we got like love making by the fire. Uh,
1: And now we get to go into a bathroom, another sexy place. (laughs) We got,
0: we got, uh, the, the, uh, Rocio, right? And we Uh, got, oh, before we got Rocio, we got, uh, Greg? Is that his name?
1: I mean, we opened, we opened the fucking book with like Susan in lingerie and like having a flashback to sex proposal and shit and,
0: and 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 we got Greg Hale's very graphic description of how he would like to have sex with Susan and oh yeah
1: against trans- but also his less graphic uh, interfacing hardware <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's
1: what i call it some might people don't have a lot of sex
0: <laughs> we got Rocio. we got uh the awful flirting, and then we got Chad and uh, the uh, Carmen and the sugar and the honey. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> and now it's just so much sex, and none of it is. He good. calls her
1: his little flan.
0: Does he?
1: He doesn't. Oh, I was so no.
0: hoping he would.
1: <laughs> I don't have anything to follow to listen with. Chapter fifty-four. Uh, Susan is in the crypto bathroom. I wonder if Crypto has gender-divided bathrooms, even though Susan Fletcher is the only woman who works there, or if it's just like a single-occupant bathroom. I
0: think it's the latter.
1: Probably. I bet it's gross. A bunch of fucking disgusting coders. Oh, oh I do not think, so. think about
0: that. All right. Um,
1: uh, lest, lest we forget, she repeats that she believes that Hale is North Dakota. Uh, oh,
0: right, okay. Um, she hears voices...
1: They went through the ventilation shaft.
0: <laughs> and she hears Phil and um, and Greg arguing. Now there are two of them. What? What?
1: Sorry. What? Uh, <laughs> <For us. laughs> both those lines. Are you familiar with the first like 15 minutes of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace?
0: I, I, not really. I don't know.
1: They're probably the best 15 minutes of the movie. Okay. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn go to meet with the Ooh, trade Federation. But the uh, crafty, not at all cartoonishly uh, racist depictions of some kind of weird mask on so his voice is all fucked up and he goes, they've gone with the ventilation shafts! And, and there's another point. Those two lines I use a lot in my <laughs> life. Okay, fair. And both sort of loosely applied here, so I said them.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad you did.
1: Are you? He didn't feel like it. I
0: didn't I didn't quite understand what was happening.
1: Uh well yeah, so through through the through the air vent she hears <laughs> uh she she hears one voice she can't identify, but the other one sounds like Phil Chartruki because it's mm. shrill and angry. Uh you don't believe me? We have a virus. We need to call Jabba. There were sounds of a struggle. Then let me go and then the noise that follows was barely human. It was a long wailing cry of horror, almost like someone falling down a one hundred and thirty six foot dizzying drop. Uh, or like a tortured animal about to die, and then the noise ended, and uh oh, the power goes out. Yep. Susan Fletcher finds herself standing in total blackness.
0: I was really surprised that Dan Brown didn't want us there for like a gross, a gross death scene.
1: Chapter fifty-five. <laughs> so Becker's in the butt, or you know, he's in the club, and someone's like, "You're in my seat," because I, I, last time we left him, he was. He had his face in his hands was sitting at the table clear created beer bottles off of. And so some snotty teen says, you're in my seat, asshole. And Becker is like, doesn't anyone speak Spanish in this damn country?
0: How is he like racist against immigrants in a country he he's sucks. not from?
1: <laughs> Glaring down, at him was a short, pimple-faced teenager with a shaved head. Half of his scalp was red and half was purple. He looked like an Easter egg. I said, you're in my seat, asshole. I heard you the first time, Becker said, standing up. And so, you know, he gets into conversation with this kid. And right off the bat, it's um, confrontational. confrontational. But it goes on for the whole chapter.
0: Um, The kids, like, pick up my empties.
1: Yeah, they spend a whole page arguing about whether who's going to pick up these fucking empties.
0: And then, like, Becker assaults him. (laughs)
1: Yes. Uh he caught the kid under the armpits, lifted him up, and slammed his rear end down on the table. Look, you runny nosed little runt, you're going to back off right now or I'm going to rip that safety pin out of your nose and pin your mouth He's shut.
0: Such a badass.
1: Such a badass. And without swearing Feeding
0: up a child.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, you're welcome, Becker snapped. This kid's a walking billboard for birth control. Got him. So f- Roasted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so fucking stupid. The kid's name is Two-Tone, because he has two tones of mm-hmm. hair. And ah. then uh, the kid's like, uh, 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 uh. Becker's oh, God like, damn it. pretty catchy name, make that up yourself. And then he's like, the Two-Tone's like, damn straight, I'm going to patent it. And Becker's scowled, you mean trademark it? You need a trademark Fuck. for a name, not a
1: patent. <laughs>
0: Becker is a grown-ass man. He's, what, in his mid-30s or something? And... He's well, actually, he's well, actuallying a child about property law right now, at a bar. Well, about
1: and like, who knows? I don't know what the fuck Spain's IP law is. Maybe you do patent a fucking name. This kid's from
0: New York, isn't he?
1: Uh, That was the other kid on the bus. We don't know where this kid's from, but like, he's in Spain. I don't know. It's just, it just fucking sucks. Yeah, he
0: doesn't know anything about the law. In Spain. Fuck off, Becker. And so
1: then the kid's like, what do you want from me? And Becker is like, I want you to wash your hair, clean up your language, and get a yeah, job. Yeah, get a
0: job, child.
1: Becker is like the only academic I've ever met who doesn't swear all the time. Yeah,
0: same. Also who like, I don't know, is disdainful of counterculture.
1: Yeah, okay. Here is Here's the thing I want to talk about. So... David Becker says he needs some information. The kid's like, fuck you. Cause you just like, you know, threw my ass on a chair. I'm looking for someone. And the kid's I ain't seen him. And Becker goes, I haven't seen him. Becker corrects. So Becker's a linguist. Um, there's a linguistics podcast I like a lot called Lingthusiasm. Okay. It's these two linguistic PhDs. I think one's from Australia and one's from Canada. And one of the shirts they sell is, and it's like one of their mantra as linguists and their response when people like say, oh, linguists are just people who are like, I have to correct your grammar and shit is like, no, 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 no. Not judging your grammar, just analyzing it. Mm-hmm. And even more adorably, they have a recently released onesie for babies that's not analyzing your grammar, just acquiring it. Oh,
0: that's so cute. Um, <laughs> oh, I have to have a but baby yeah, right so,
1: now. So, yeah, linguists in general are not, you know, assholes in a non-English teaching capacity going to be correcting this kid on his ain't grammar they're going to be saying ah yes ain't is certainly a contraction that is in widespread usage even though it's probably not you know it's in terms of registers of english it's still not accepted as standard high register english but it is in very common usage and i can observe it being used in this context here in spain among these punks well but no becker doesn't do that that,
0: like dan brown is not a linguist, he's just an English teacher from a prep school. And so this is the only thing he knows how to do <laughs> is correct do
1: your research
0: <laughs> contractions.
1: Um, yeah. And <laughs> so Becca's like, I'm looking for a girl and uh then two tones like, You're not gonna get any action dress like that which I mean that one girl said she'd fucking <laughs> but whatever. Uh, and the kid assumed he's Which a cop. He is.
0: He's a cop. If it walks like he a cop, if it walks like a cop, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been a long ass day. If it walks like a cop and it talks like a cop, it's a cop. There you Thank go. Thank you.
1: And, and Becker is like, uh, you know, I guess I'm looking for this girl and I'll pay you for information about her. And the kid's like, 100 bucks. And he's like, "Well, I've only got pesetas and whatever. Make it a hundred of them." Well, hold and on, foreign currency. I'm extra- sorry, yeah. First,
0: David Becker gives his full name to this strange child he just met.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's smart. He's not smart. Um, and so this is the first time David Becker is judging this kid for being bad at making deals because a hundred pesetas is only like. 87 cents but we've already in this book seen david becker be incredibly stupid with his supply of pesetas because like when he was trying to buy the ring off rocio (laughs) he initially offered her like half his pesetas and then she like thinks about it for half a second doesn't even say anything he's like fine 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 i'll give you all of my pesetas twice as many can i have the ring like he's (laughs) the worst at negotiating he's bad at making deals Anyways.
0: Um, so Two-Tone recognizes who this girl is.
1: Yeah, because the earrings. She had on skull earrings.
0: <laughs> They're at a punk convention.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, you know, everyone's got the red, white, and blue hair, so that's not helpful. But the earrings, he recognizes that. And Two-Tone at first seems to like tell going tell David what's up, and then he, like, becomes belligerent again. She's Eduardo's, you asshole. I'd watch it. You touch her and he'll kill you. Uh, Eduardo sounds like a, a real bad news kind of guy. I
0: know. This extremely like shocking outburst has absolutely no bearing on the rest of the book.
1: You know, you'd think that given <laughs> this, we might at some point meet Eduardo.
0: We never do.
1: Spoiler alert, we do not ever meet Eduardo. <laughs> uh, chapter 56, we're back with Midge Milken.
0: Midge Milken is prowling, which is her only uh, mode of transportation, as she is a cougar. Um, she's kind of Freaking out. So she helps herself to a glass of water, hoping it might calm her nerves. You know how water will do that. Um, And then as she sipped at the liquid...
1: (laughs) It's important not to repeat words. Uh, I'm sure Dan Brown has English teachers this. So, like, you gotta (laughs) use synonyms.
0: I'm the liquid. I'm so mad. Um, Nothing much happens here. She just, like, gazes outside Uh, She has a view of the whole NSA complex and notices the lights are out at uh, Crypto. The end. Yes.
1: And this does answer, remember like the first episode of this book, we were trying to figure out if Crypto was like a building within the larger NSA building. Mm -hmm. We do learn that it is its own outbuilding. It's separate from the rest of the campus.
0: Yeah. So that was helpful. Uh, she was gripped by a wild girlish panic because whenever the women in this have a, a, an emotion, they become girls. Remember when Susan like felt like a teen, teenager because she was experiencing attraction?
1: Yes, that was good.
0: Yeah. Good. David
1: also felt like a schoolboy at the time, though. So uh, <laughs> you
0: know. I don't even know where to go from here.
1: <laughs> uh, well, there's one place we can go, and it's chapter 57. Hell yeah, let's go. Susan's in the windowless bathroom. The darkness surrounding her is absolute. So, uh, she starts kind of freaking out and trying to get out of this room because we, it seems like she has, uh, some Langdonian, <laughs> uh, claustrophobia issues.
0: <laughs> Langdonian. hmm Um... Yeah, so she's disoriented. She knocks over like a trash can and she's trying to leave the bathroom. She goes to the Crypto. She opens the door. Crypto's completely dark. Uh, transalter is a gray silhouette against a faint twilight coming in through the dome. Um, and then there's a faint red glow from the utility lighting below, so it's very Star Wars-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she gets to the trap door, she sees like Commander Strathmore is kind of standing on the platform below looking over the railing at something and he's not moving um and then she realizes that what he's looking at is chart uh, is chartruchian's mangled body um who ha- he's fallen onto the power supply and shorted it out yeah
1: Mm-hmm. sorry I was just uh distracted by as you may recall from that uh, foreshadowing earlier mm-hmm. the drop was a dizzying 136 or 37 feet That's but right. here we learned that six stories below was the corpse of Phil Chartrukian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: wait suddenly she saw it, a figure six stories below, it appeared briefly in the bills of steam there it was again, a tangled mass of twisted limbs lying 90 feet below them, Phil Chartrukian was sprawled across the sharp iron fins of the main generator so is it six stories (laughs) is it 90 feet which i will accept as six stories it seems like a tall story but whatever i'll 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 live with it Mm 15 feet seems about right or is it 136 feet make up your fucking mind and hire a goddamn editor
0: but also another body halfway down the long staircase crouched hiding in the shadows comma 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 (laughs) (laughs) the muscular frame was unmistakable it was greg hale
1: he's even
0: oh shit oh shit he's the even muscular thickens. when he's crouching hell yeah it was gross and sad and i love chartreukian
1: i like chartreukian he's gone too soon i made i i said some mean things about his heritage in the first episode but i take them all back um <laughs> the punk screamed at becker megan belongs my friend eduardo you stay away from her belongs to um, you know I'm, how punks I'm, love gender i'm veering roles? wildly in the voice for this punk
0: you sure are um uh. <laughs> <laughs> but i'll allow it yeah um, she's like i he's like i need i need the ring and he's like oh you need the ugly ring fine she uh she's gonna go home to connecticut her parents are rich and she wants to go home to connecticut mm
1: going back to mommy and daddy's mansion in the burbs hated her Spanish homestay family three, three slur-, slur brother <laughs> is always hitting on her. No fucking hot water.
0: Uh, Ugh. It's so, rough. so many F slurs and racial yeah. slurs and fat hating and the hating of people with disabilities. And, uh, so she goes to the airport. She wants to, to hawk the ring there because there's rich tourists and shit. And then she's going to fly out on standby. Um, nobody knows her last name. What's her name? We don't even know. Her. Oh, Megan. Um, she's going to take a roach coach, which is a weekend red eye.
1: Yeah. Why is it called the roach coach?
0: Because it's uh, cheap. College kids take it because it's cheap. Guess they sit in back and smoke roaches. A dull dull nausea swept swept through Becker's gut. This is some kind of sick joke, isn't it? Is it some kind of sick joke, Dan? Because you're putting us (laughs) through the same thing that Becker is going through.
1: Like, it is the wildest goose chase of all fucking time. It is...
0: It is exhausting
1: at least with the da vinci code and angels and demons there's like these stupid artificial riddles put in the middle of it yeah yeah in this it's just like literally he goes somewhere and someone's like oh no sorry she went that away oh no sorry it went that away yeah
0: and angels and demons is like this is a path you must follow so you have to follow the clues right Mm -hmm. and then like in in uh, Da Vinci Code, it's like yeah, it's a treasure hunt on purpose because Sonier like loves treasure hunts, and here it's just like a treasure hunt, but it's stupid.
1: Yeah, it's exhausting.
0: Are there treasure hunts in The Lost Symbol, et cetera, et cetera? Are they all treasure hunts?
1: Um, I don't remember.
0: Is is Origin a treasure hunt?
1: Not. Really? I mean, I've forgotten how Origin works, but I don't think it's a treasure hunt in the same way. I don't
0: think so either, but I never finished Origin, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Um so we're we're still on all aboard the sick joke train and um
1: So now he's gotta get to the airport. Yeah because the plane's gonna leave in fifteen minutes, enough time for David Becker to get to the airport and Stop the plane from. Wouldn't she have
0: boarded 15 minutes prior to the plane taking (laughs) off?
1: Well, not in an uncivilized country like Spain.
0: (laughs) Fair. Um, He can't get a cab. It would take 20 minutes. Um, And so he buys someone's Vespa for 400 bucks.
1: This episode deserves some talking about. (laughs) So. The sound of a small engine turned Becker's head. Sound like a chainsaw. Big kid and his chain-clad date pulled into the parking lot I in an up. old Vespa. The girl's skirt had blown high on her thighs. She didn't seem to notice. Becker dashed over and Gross. He starts talking I'm to. Crossing to he, it tar- out. he starts. He starts talking to the driver, saying, "I'll pay you ten thousand pesetas. To take me to the airport." And then the kid's like, "Scusi," because he's a, Italian. Mm. And so Dave Becker switches to his floss uh, Italian aeroporto per favore, sulla Vespa 20,000 pesete. That's my great Italian pronunciation.
0: Nice.
1: And, you know, they they haggle a little bit, and then...
0: <laughs> Bad haggling.
1: <laughs> he starts off with 10,000 English. Immediately before he gets a reply, he goes, 20,000. <laughs> and then the kid's like, what? He was Italian. And then... Uh... I guess he, uh, he then Dan Brown sticks with a 20,000 offer in Italian because like 20,000 La Vespa. And then Becker's like, fine, 50,000. <laughs> it was about four hundred dollars. And then he winds up. After the Italian laughs doubtfully and says, where's the cash? Becker pulls Five ten thousand peseta notes from his pocket and gives them to the Italian. So he's just needlessly talked himself up from ten to fifty thousand. 50,
0: yeah. Oh my god. In the space of like one minute.
1: And then the Italian looks at the money and the girl grabs the cash and stuffs it in her blouse and then they just leave the Vespa with David Becker.
0: You know how punk kids wear blouses. Well, but They're she's blouse.
1: just wearing chains as we learned from the first time, but she's just chain clad. <laughs> uh, she's she's in Joan of Arc male. Chapter 59. Susan is helping Strathmore out of the subterranean crypto cavity. And then rather than like waiting for Greg Hale to come out or anything, they just immediately leave. Right. Yep. So, like, yeah. So, like, we're just like, okay, so I saw this tableau and assume that Greg Hale killed Phil Shartrukian. Help Strathmore out, leave the vent open into the place, and let's go up to your office.
0: Well, hold on. Okay, so she says, Greg Hale's North Dakota. And. Strathmore's like, What? He's over Dakota. What? What? And then Strathmore disappeared into the dark. He circled on a translator, arrived over the opening in the floor, and he he looked around the darkened crypto floor, then he bent down and lifted the heavy trapdoor. Yeah, he no, he closes the the trapdoor with and and Susan thinks that uh Greg Hale is still inside.
1: But there's like a lot in between in between before he closed that door. So like First of all, Susan goes over to the door out of crypto to try to open it to get out of crypto, and Mm -hmm. she can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then they're kind of in the dark here. And so I think they're over the crypto door here, maybe not watching the trap door. Yeah. And she's accusing him. Um, And apparently it's it's the only light source in the room. But spoiler alert, guys, Greg Hale's going to be out of here before they close it. So I don't know how they don't see him coming out of it.
0: Because it's illuminating the entire room. Because it's the only
1: light source. Um, But whatever. So yeah, uh, somewhere somewhere in here, Greg Hale somehow gets out. Spoiler alert. But it doesn't make any sense how, but Strathmore does close the pit. And then apparently Greg Hale is caught down there. I, it's not really a spoiler because they closed the door and then neither he nor susan heard the faint steps in the direction of node three
0: these short chapters are so exhausting and dissatisfying because nothing ever happens in them no. but but they're like we're like jumping or popcorning from character to character and so that takes a lot of mental energy to like remember like oh where were we oh okay um but it's like two pages at a time and nothing is happening and it's like Oh, we're in Tancata's office. Or no, no, sorry. We're in Numataka's office. And it's like where were, even were we with Numataka? It's been a million years. Oh, he's getting a hand job. What? And then we're like <laughs>
1: He's just getting a booty squeeze. He's not getting a <laughs> hand job. We covered this. Um,
0: booty squeeze. And it, it I don't know. It's just like like part of it is like uh, I feel safe putting down the book at any time because I know the chapters are ending. But like uh oh, it's so tiring to go through. Right? Do you yeah, agree? It's,
1: yeah, no, it, it, it is exhausting. Um,
0: this is not the way to write a book.
1: But honestly, I, I, I did, somewhere around this point, or like a couple chapters after, I did get hooked in the same way you're supposed to, to the point where I like, couldn't leave my house until I finished the book.
0: Oh, look at you. Uh, wow.
1: I did, I, it did happen to me. So I don't know. I don't know how it worked. <laughs> like I was mad the whole way through. Like I was like, <laughs> "Fucking goddamn it!" <laughs> but I did it. Um,
0: well, we'll see if that happens for me at some point. Yeah.
1: Chapter sixty, the last one, guys. It's a sh- it's another short one.
0: It's so short. Um, the Google Glass assassin has a uh, has a pair of rock like arms. Check one for <laughs> strong arms. Heyo. Mm. Um, but he's got he's got two tone in his grasp. And yep. Tutone is so wasted, and he thinks it's Eduardo, um, and 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 his his face is pockmarked and scarred, so he's Freddy Krueger, but he's also blind and wearing glasses. Um, he's got
1: shark eyes.
0: He's got shark eyes.
1: Two lifeless eyes stared out like coal from behind wire rim glasses.
0: That's so mean. I have black eyes too. Like what the fuck. <laughs>
1: well do yours have life in them or are they like a doll's eyes
0: uh I think they have life in them but that could yeah, be the I mean, tinted contacts
1: from just general experience and having talked with Lena like face to face a number of times I would say she does not have lifeless eyes looking like Cole but this guy does <laughs> it's
0: and, so much uh, thank you Forrest <laughs> yeah
1: that's that's the greatest compliment I can give <laughs> um, <laughs> So, l- um, lest, lest we forget that he's deaf, when the assassin talks, his voice is strange and choked. Adonde fue? Nice. Where did he go? <laughs> because nice. he's also bilingual. Cast uh, the forest
0: worst... as Batman.
1: <laughs> oh, I'd be fucking good at Batman. Uh, <laughs> the punk fro is paralyzed with fear. Adonde fue? El Americano. Um, and he went to the airport. And then uh, the assassin asks if Becker had the ring. And Two-Tone's like, "Uh uh-uh. And then he asked if Two-Tone has seen the ring. And Two-Tone doesn't know what the right answer here. What's the answer that's not going to get him killed? And he goes with, yeah, I saw it. Hoping honesty would pay. It did not. Seconds later, he slid to the floor, his neck broken.
0: This poor kid. What the fuck? So many people have died for this stupid fucking ring, and he's a child.
1: He's a child. He did use the F slur a lot, but I'm not sure that means you get the death penalty when you're like a a, 16-year-old drunken asshole.
0: Yeah, I don't like
1: I think that's it for this. Ratings are an important part of this podcast that I forgot (laughs) we did. Uh, Lena, what is your... Rating for this section in terms of its Dan Brownness,
0: nothing happened in this section. nothing half true.
1: A man died several two men died. Well, yeah. a man died and a boy died
0: but but like, you know in a Dan Brown book, like things happen, and then like there's some exposition and some like waffling around, and then there's like, now we're off to the races, you know, and Dan Brown just doesn't know how to do that yet. And I, we've been
1: saying this every time that like it feels like we're about to go to the races,
0: and we're still in the car. Like, what? The and
1: f- we're just—I ne- mean, you race in cars.
0: <laughs> I thought it was a horse race.
1: Oh, I, I always thought about it. I guess you're right. Anyways, yeah, we're still in the fucking parking lot. It sucks. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. But so but that, what's for the Dan girl? Brownness, yeah, I mean, I continue to give like I'm gonna give this one a C plus like. I don't know. The treasure hunt's not fun. And wh- whatever's happening back at the farm is stupid. That's...
1: Yeah, I think I'm at a D for it. Like, there's a lot of characteristics that become, like, in a more refined state, Dan Brown things. But in this one, it's like in a cocoon form. Mm. It's in its... And it's- a uh, pupil stage.
0: That's gross,
1: but okay. Um, excuse me. Insects are beautiful, Lena, except for the Jerusalem cricket, the oh. most vile insect I've ever fucking encountered. Oh on a dark my night. god!
0: I'm so glad you feel that way because I fucking hate potato bugs so much. They
1: are. I was walk. Uh, They're heinous. Europe, They're I was, nightmarish. I was, at, I was at a summer camp, and like we were walking back from a campfire. And there's like one directly in my footpath, and I flipped my shit.
0: Have you ever picked one up? mm They they cry like babies, <laughs> and also they're not insects. I think. What? Oh, they are insects. They're crickets. I thought they had like a weird thorax that made them not a not a thing. I hate them.
1: No. I hate them. God, they're Their disgusting. legs are too
0: meaty. Their faces are human like.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 apparently. So I I, look, I was I was thinking about Jerusalem crickets the other day. I, I call them that just because that's the only name I heard heard of them until I looked up with them the other day on Wikipedia when I first saw potato bug. But anyways, it turns out the probable origin of the name Jerusalem cricket for them is the Navajo word for them translated some like skull bug because of their humanish faces. Yeah. And the Franciscan friars who were uh, colonizing and, like, forcing the natives to learn English and become Christians. Obviously, I meant Spanish, not English. Do not at me. Do not at me now. Do not at me tomorrow. Do not at me ever. Thank you so much. Crossed that over with the idea of Calvary, the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified right outside Jerusalem. Mm. And so associated with Jerusalem. That's Jerusalem cricket.
0: It seems like exactly the kind of thing that is, like, right up your alley for us.
1: Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the etymology is all good, but the bug itself, very bad.
0: Bug, very awful. Do not look up pictures of a Jerusalem cricket. It will haunt your dreams. And again, they do cry like babies.
1: So. Yeah, I don't know how we got there, um, but do you have a grade for enjoyment for this
0: <laughs> section? Uh, it's very low, like, D-minus. I hated it.
1: Yeah, F. Fuck it. Um, <laughs>
0: F-minus-minus. I was angry, (laughs) and all the descriptions of Jabba eating and the fact that his name is Jabba, that was all very rough. The sex was awful, and F-minus-minus. Dan Brown can catch these hands.
1: Yeah. Haben Sie ein Angel?
0: Yeah. um, My angel is the girl who grabs the cash and stuffs it in her shirt. Um,
1: I like her. That
0: girl is just here to ride bikes and get paid, and (laughs) I love it. I'm a big fan of... Uh, I would if a strange cop was offering me 50,000, whatever, I would also just grab it in my sh- and put it yeah. in my shirt and run off. Like what else? Are you she's gonna there. Do? to
1: She's there to get head, get bread.
0: Hell I said. yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. The Dan Brown code. Get head, get bread. <laughs> uh,
1: um, let's see. Who is my angel? Uh, I like her a lot, but I think I'm going to pick her. It's got to be Phil Chartrukian again. Yeah, the manager was just trying to do his job, and like Chartukian his job is, my is up. Yeah. his job is like trying to facilitate and aid an organization and doing like some real fucked up shit. But like mm-hmm. he was trying to do the best of it. He's a young guy. He was just trying to get some money. He's trying to get get bread. And he got pushed off a fucking banister and plunged to his death on a Freon cooling vent. And that sucks.
0: That sucks. It's really an awful way to go. Pushed by by some chat off a bridge. It's awful.
1: I would love for my death to shut down the NSA's computer.
0: What a way to go. Oh, man. With his dying breath, he shut down the NSA. What a hero. Hell yeah. That's so metal. I love it. Okay. Do you have a demon? Yeah. Um... My demon is Chad, because he, in his sexual fantasies, uh, induced a yeast infection. (laughs) And fuck that, that's awful.
1: I am fairly sure those are not fantasies, but memories.
0: Oh, that's even worse.
1: It's not great. Um, My demon is...
0: That's government property that you're smearing on your tits. The confectioner's sugar.
1: Property is theft. It's the people's, honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, let's see. My demon has got to be... I think my demon is David Becker. He's such a fucking dick to these fucking, like, kids. He like, really all is. All these children. It's just children. He's like, Stop, talk proper English when you're in Spain. Yeah, he's like... Otherwise, people will think you're low-life scum.
0: Cut your hair and get a job and... He assaulted a kid.
1: Yeah, fuck him. I hate him.
0: Yeah, he's he so sucks. awful. He really sucks. He and Susan are both fucking bootlicking cops, and they can, they can fucking... I'm so mad. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Brown, why do you love cops so much? You fucking...
1: And sorry, Nora, new number one fan, Quentin, because <laughs> he's written us a review. The
0: Uncle Q. <laughs> uh, it's really sweet review uh it made me smile um it made me feel great Nora sent me a really sweet DM when she was drunk a few nights ago
1: (laughs) (laughs) I got a text from her (laughs) when she
0: was drunk it was my first like solo conversation with Nora and she was just like thanks for being awesome and I was like thank you (laughs) yeah um
1: period since this episode was recorded listener and friend alexa has also written us a very nice review alexa also a number one fan it turns out there are several rate
0: us on itunes many of you have we have all five stars we have five out of five stars um nora
1: write us a review
0: but i will. yeah write us a review in which you tell us the things that you like and the things that you super like um, exactly, and uh, yeah, and it also it helps us reach new people, um, and it uh, you know the feedback is helpful helpful for us because otherwise you know we're just gonna keep doing whatever we want. So <laughs> we're
1: just gonna keep talking for two hours and five minutes and twelve seconds about um, sixty pages of Dan Brown's writing. <laughs> This is a long one, like seven <laughs> inches from the midday sun.
0: <laughs> so follow us on social media. You can follow us at Dan Brown Code Pod on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Lena Jamili. That's spelled L-I-N-A-J-E-M-I-L-I.
1: I'm half back on Twitter. I'm at Wishbone Ulysses. I'm private, but if you seem cool, let you follow me. <laughs> I'm never mentioning the other social media side I'm on again because if anyone. It follows me there. It's gonna be bad.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you soon. And, have a uh,
1: wonderful day and a
0: wonderful Libra season. You know, kick that back, too. relax, do a face mask, have a good time.
1: Yeah, hold the scales of justice in your hands. Blindfold yourself.
0: <laughs> All right, bye everybody. <laughs> I
1: Get head, get bread, out.